0: We Hello and welcome, it's your uh, Sunday Managing Madrid podcast, this is your host Gabe Lesra I'm coming to you from a uh, very beautiful Washington DC, joined as always by Keon Sabani, hey Keon
1: Hey Gabe, how are you?
0: I'm doing well, and uh, joined also for the first time as official co-host, Om Arvin, Om, welcome Welcome to the show Thanks for having me on guys yeah, I mean, having you on, like you're gonna be on now. Like this is, yeah, yeah. Your I got shit, an man. I this... got an
1: email from Om's mom, and she just she was saying, <laughs> please just keep Om occupied, bring him on the podcast. I don't, you know, just to keep him off the streets, keep him out of trouble. Oh, so we brought see you, you on.
0: on got that email i'm getting paid so like we're babysitting it's cool though like making you feel important no i mean like we're psyched to have oman like it's awesome uh and uh we're really excited to have the um best football mind uh, at managing madrid on the show with us finally <laughs> after
1: all this time she also said please teach him something about tactics because he's no- he knows nothing and he right he-, <laughs> he-, he keeps using these fancy words like half space in zone 14 acting like you know he knows something but he just, yeah,
0: it's all, it's all garbage.
1: Here you, guys, you guys
2: have figured me out. <laughs>
0: well, it's good because, like, the whole point of sounding really smart is just saying really big words and hoping no one understands what the
2: folk you're saying. And, and um, you got to stay confidently as well. That's the key.
0: That is a big, big important thing. And speaking of that, Real Madrid 3, Ibar 0 in the Bernabeu. Guys, it was... Uh, it was a little bit more of a cakewalk. I mean, it wasn't a cakewalk, but it was a much, much more confident Real Madrid result, I guess, than I sort of expected. I know that A Bar has not been really the team of last season, but you know, two two nothing in the first thirty minutes or so, kind of wrapping up the game already. That was uh, that was big for this side at home.
1: Yeah, I thought I thought it was like. It was a comfortable win filled with kinks and things to improve on, but just comfortable, like, you know? Like, I think with all the things that we could have improved on, ne- at no point did I really feel threatened by Abar to to punish us for it. And apart from, like, a few moments in the first half where, um, like, Isco made a <laughs> Isco and Casemiro both made a couple misplaced passes and Abar could counter. One, Charles, who was holding up the play and waiting for Abar to kind of catch up, he just had a bad game his decision making was bad and Inui kind of uncharacteristically wasn't himself either so they just could never punish us for it
0: yeah it seemed like there was time after time where it it looked like Abar was about to have a a really you know tough complicated break and then someone made a huge mistake like there was a moment at 2 on 1 where uh Abar uh, broke and instead of passing to Inui who would have been one on one with the keeper at least it would have been very close to it uh, Carlos or 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 whoever i think it was him Yeah. Took a shot from, like, midfield, yeah. and it was, was
1: terrible.
2: That was
0: horrible.
1: One of the worst oh. shots I've ever seen. <laughs> uh,
0: so, yeah, I mean, my my feeling was, like, this, this game, Madrid could have been punished by a team that was a little bit more on the mark, but it was lucky that they were playing an Avar side that was, I think, very, you know— I think very positive in in its approach, but just lacked you know the technical definition that that would have made the game uh, even complicated at all for Madrid.
2: Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I I agree with generally with these takes, um, but there's there's kind of like a general trend I'm seeing like speaking tactically now, you know, using those big words, um, <laughs> uh, like I because going back like backtracking all the way to. So when Zidane like first came on, we we were all having these discussions. You know, uh, wh- how 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 is Zidane g- gonna come out tactically? And a lot of us wrote some pieces. And I think Keon noted that uh, Zidane took some lessons with Gu- Gu- Guardiola, like one on one. And it, in the beginning, it really seemed like Zidane wanted this free flowing, fluid football short passing all, passing all the way up the pitch and then over time he seemed to become a little more defensive, a little more pragmatic and everything was more structured. And I think we're going back to that phase where Zidane feels comfortable enough in his mind that he wants to go back to that total football style where just everyone's interchanging positions, things are super fluid and you you can't really tell who's where because honestly I don't know what position Isco and Asensio were playing throughout the game because they were literally everywhere and while I think that that kind of forward thinking in in a tactical sense is good. I also think there were some issues with that, that we've seen not just in this game, but in previous games in the sense that when you want to be this fluid, you have to do it sort of methodically, um, which sounds kind of counterintuitive. But for example, if you have um, Isco move into the striker position, you need the striker to move into the left wing position. You can't just have people moving all over the place so that you have six men on the left side of the field and no one on the right side of the field. And the reason that's important, not so much for our offense, because we always manage to make it work, but for our defense, right? Because Ibar, with one pass, was just into into like our defensive yeah. third, and they were making poor decisions, and they didn't make us pay for it. Because if you have players all over the place, you, you're not in a structure to press immediately after you lose the ball, and that's something Zidane wants to do. So we were getting cut open time and time again. I saw that a little bit in the Tottenham match, where Harry Winks was just... Destroying our midfield, and he's a good player, but Harry Winks should not be destroying a midfield of, of Modric, Kroos, and Casemiro the way that he did um, on, on on a couple of occasions. So I think that's something Zidane really wants to work on moving forward if he wants to play that kind of total football style.
0: Yeah, for sure. I I mean I was thinking exactly that, especially in situations where if you looked at, for example, a couple of moments in the first half where it would end up with. You know, Isco and Asensio and uh, uh, Teo and you know Modric kind of shading over all of those guys in the in the far left corner, and then they'd all have the ball and and trying to figure out what to do with it. And then as soon as, let's say, there was a cross that was intercepted, there's no one in the middle of the pitch to make life difficult for the mm-hmm. for the ball carrier who's looking for an outlet to move the ball forward really quickly.
2: Yeah, and. And that's why I'd say, in my opinion, Varan was the best player, um, in the match because, time and time again, he was facing counterattacks that were like three versus two, one versus one, and his positioning was brilliant. Like, if it wasn't for Varan, this game could have gotten a lot uglier than it did. And and assuming that Ibar made the right decisions in the final third, um, so I think he bailed us out a little bit, which I guess is all you can ask for, right? Because I, I, you know, I think Varan's done brilliantly this season and this match is kind of cementing him. You know, he's, he's definitely staked his claim to be considered a world-class defender.
0: Yeah, he really is. And he, we already knew he had world-class speed, but if anyone had any question about that, I mean, he, he was playing on, on a lot of levels, like the way Sergio Ramos would kind of shade up the pitch, but was over and over again, the last defender for Madrid. And that's, that's a precarious position to be in at the professional level. Like a lot of teams don't tend to play with one defender kind of sweeping up. Like that's kind of like a amateur move when you have just one fast defender that you stick at the back and say, all right, make sure you outrun anyone for any balls. But Baran is literally fast enough to get to some of these passes where, I mean, you know, and, and we were remarking on Teo's speed during this match, but I thought, I mean, like just, it's worth underlying again how, Absolutely, incredibly fast. Varane is—he just would outrun anyone in the in these situations where you know a slower defender wouldn't just get beat, but he'd get beat down the pitch. Also, uh where the other team would get a one-on-one. I don't know, Kian. Are you feeling like, uh yeah? What? What? You you mentioned some more kinks. What is this? Can't be the only kink that you you noticed.
1: Yeah, just quickly. Just I wanted to just obviously add, and I agree with you guys completely about Varane because he's been. And it's not just that he's been good, like, subtly good. Like, he's been just a good defender. Like, he's being constantly tested. Mm-hmm. Like, we are literally just throwing him out there in, you know, to and putting him in the most precarious positions and asking him to kind of backpedal by himself and outrun the, you know, and act as, like, the last stopgap. And he's doing incredible. And, you know, this game, he had five interceptions Seven clearances, which is far above, like, way more than anyone else had in this game. Um, I think Ohm touched, in a way, kind of encapsulated a lot of the kinks. Because, to me, like, a lot of the things that Ohm was saying are were, like, all the alarm bells that I have seen the last few games. Um, especially the 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 issue of one any team can, with one pass, open this up. And yeah. against Tottenham, it wasn't even... A team playing a pass. It was like and there was an example of Isco taking a bad corner, and that's all it took for <laughs> the for the for the team to face a wave of a really dangerous counterattack, which Tottenham can obviously exploit way better than Bar can. Um, I think the interchangeability thing is interesting. Um, you know, like when when you replace Kroos for Ceballos, like they're such different players. Like even though. You can kind of say they play the same position, and you just replace Kroos in the trio with Ceballos. Kroos, like, very much kind of like sticks to that left side and plays deeper, occasionally ventures forward, plays some great vertical passes. And Ceballos was kind of all over the place. He didn't Mm -hmm. offer, um, he didn't offer Casemiro that thing that Cruz and Modric do where Casemiro darts up the field and they cover for him. Casemiro just stayed deep and Ceballos and Modric were just kind of in front of him acting out his outlets. But also Ceballos would roam a lot. And I wonder, I think I'm really interested to just, you know, keep tabs on this because I think Ceballos is in many ways the future of both Spain and, and Real Madrid or at least part of it. And Isco and Asensio are in that same boat too. And they all played together and i'm not sure Ceballos has ever played with so many ball dominant midfielders together in one lineup it was never like that in spain under 17 it certainly wasn't like that at, at betis yeah. Yeah, yeah so i wonder how like he gets accustomed to that because he was kind of he was given a bit of a free role like i don't know if it was intentional but he was all over the place too like you know horizontally and so was isco and i wonder if you know if you look at the build up to the first goal the only... Wait, was the first one with the old? yeah? The, or the second goal? Sorry, the one that Asensio scored. It was Isco, Ceballos, and Modric just like yeah. passing it to each other constantly until like Teo made that run and then Isco centered it. And it was it's kind of inter- interesting to follow, but I, I do think there are there are some kinks there that I'm not sure we'll see in big games when Cruz is there.
2: Yeah, it's interesting that you like point out the difference between Cruz and Ceballos and. I think that underlines why Kroos is so important, right? Because Zabias didn't have a bad game by any means and even contributed to the second goal, like you said. But he was in it like you said, he, he was in a game with a lot of other uh, uh, ball carriers with him. And no one was, if you think about it, no one was really controlling the tempo of the game. When Kroos is there, it's him. You know, everyone knows you're supposed to pass the ball to him and he'll distribute things. And for us, it was kind of just everyone was doing it. And Modric to an extent can do it, but I don't really feel like we have anyone at, at the Kroos kind of level that can that can control the tempo of the play, slow things down. Because without him, I just feel like the pace of the game can get away with, get away from us, you know. Sometimes, and yeah. I was seeing I was seeing a couple of tweets again, like up put up like a pass map of Kroos where like I think it was against Tottenham, I I could be wrong, or it was a game before where he only misplaced like two or three passes. And there were a bunch of people are like, oh, Kroos when we play sideways passes, he's overrated. So that's back again. I, I, I think like in the face of that, mm-hmm. it's important to like nail down exactly like this is why Kroos is important because he controls games in a way that almost no other player can.
0: He's also really I, and, and one of the things that I um, noticed and and, and kind of commented on at halftime was yeah, I, I and I think this this feeds into because I I'd mentioned that I'd wanted a little bit more defensive presence from people like Ceballos and. I think what what I was isolating that I didn't have I hadn't really put into context yet was that what Kroos brings to this side is actually a really acute understanding of how to manipulate space and understand how space works both on the offensive end but also on the defensive end in a way that I think Ceballos just, just isn't there yet with. And so for when I said something like I wanted Seballos to be, you know, more involved defensively. I didn't necessarily mean that he wasn't chasing people around and hounding people, but it just felt like he wasn't in the right place most of the time. And that, you know, kind of feeds into this whole conversation about what Kroos brings to the table. because He's not, you know, a perfect defensive player, but he certainly mm-hmm. does have a really acute understanding of where the space is behind him and where he should be to make, you know, the, the, uh, the, the attacking players life more difficult.
1: Yeah. And it's, and Sabiles did hound like he he just wasn't just playing that deep i found like he but he was hounding and he was working hard like you know again like i i think when om said sabalas isn't bad like he wasn't great like i i i i'm kind of there like that's that's how i saw it i don't think he was otherworldly or anything but Mm -hmm. i think he was i think he was good and i and i get and i get excited about his performances because i know he's such a long-term project right
0: and I, I mean, look, I really loved I, and I really liked watching him play. I think he brings a huge, you know, different vibe to this this center midfield that really is useful. And Keon in, in matches where, you know, I we've both you know, m- talked about how bringing Ceballos in in matches like, you know, the one last week against Tatafei would have been a really smart decision mm-hmm. given like the way the team gets stuck in. You know, and that's so. This isn't to take away from what he definitely does bring to the side. It's just in a situation where he is given this huge amount of freedom, he needs to understand how to exploit that freedom on the offensive end, and also rein himself in enough that he is in a liability, you know, defensively in 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 trying to defend space. And I would also mention that this wasn't just the Vilas problem. Um, you you mentioned like. Of course, like, <laughs> we talked a little bit about how Madrid was super vulnerable mm-hmm. on corner kicks, right? On counterattacks off of offensive corner attack, uh, corner kicks. And that is a problem that we've noticed all season, or at least I have. And I don't know, you know, what, what the issue was exactly against Spurs, but it felt like every single Madrid corner kick, there was a break, and a break on goal. and And it felt like there was some miscommunication in midfield that allowed for, you know, that it wasn't just a pass; it was suddenly, suddenly, someone would get the ball and just run through Madrid's midfield. And, you know, if 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 that means dropping someone back, in addition to a couple of the other players, then that's what it has to do because these corner kicks, you know, these these counterattacks on corner kicks are not a joke. And this happening, it's happening too much against top teams to to be kind of fluky. Like they they really are breaking.
2: Yeah, I mean. I Yeah, I, I'd say that's a fair assessment. It goes back really to this, I mean, not so much on corner kicks really because that's just like more of a simple thing to solve, but just in general because like with the whole freedom thing, uh, with bios, it goes for all players as well in that Zidane kind of needs to sit down with the players and figure out how how, how to get them to interchange in a way that keeps our, stable, uh, our structure stable because when people think about fluidity, they think, um, oh, it's just people moving all over the place. But in football, in a way that's going to be productive for your team, it's players moving in a way that keeps your structure essentially the same. So the structure never changes, but the players do. I think I think that's a good way to think about it. And I think that's definitely. I, I can't imagine that Zidane looks at this and thinks, "Well, we were perfect there, and we don't need to improve." I'm pretty sure he's sitting down looking looking at how to figure it out. You know, h- how long that will take, we don't know. Because Zidane's like. Progress tends to happen in spurts. We might see this for a couple more games, and then suddenly it's all fixed. But I, I, I do believe that Zidane will look at this and and, and try to improve on this.
1: Yeah, well, it's yeah. it's such a it requires so much cohesiveness, right? Like, yeah. was it the beginning of last season where we had just so we we couldn't figure out why Real Madrid wouldn't press, and then when they would, it just looked so just disjointed mm-hmm. against Valencia at the Messiah and like kind of peaked at how bad it was because you had one player rotating and the other one wouldn't and then everything would collapse right mm-hmm. and then they got so good at it to the point like it was amazing to end the season last season it was amazing in the Super Cup and I actually just went and wrote, wrote about it like how amazing it's been and then um it, it's we haven't really seen that level of of elite pressing that we saw in the super cup since that super cup I find. Like I, I feel like it we do it sometimes and it's it's not always it's not always fluid. It's not always cohesive. It I think that'll come, you have some players you have to integrate. Like I don't know how if if Zidane wants to get Ceballos to play like Cruz. I doubt it. Like it's not really his game. But I, I do wonder how this how more, How much better it'll look, you know, as season progresses because there are new new faces to integrate. Um, and Zidane has said himself, like, my goal is to peak, you know, in April and, and May. Mm-hmm. It's, it's right now. It's just we do our best. We try to keep afloat. We deal with injuries. We deal with rotations. Gabe, I know. I know you mentioned the, the kinks, and one thing that I forgot to bring up, um, which I, I'm sure the topic we all want to talk about is Casemiro who is yeah. like was a kink was a kink in this game because um you know like I tweeted like this is classic Casemiro like he's so good at so many things and so bad at so many things and in this game to kind of exemplify that he had five successful tackles the most of the team he him and Asensio were also the two players the most dispossessed um and his passing accuracy was uh Seven. What was it? Uh, Seventy. Seventy-nine percent, um, which is
0: really low for a holding midfielder on a team of you know ball handlers. Like that's that's not good.
1: <laughs> Considering it's a position that you really like, it, so much gets channeled through it, right? Like it's yeah. just an important role. And and some of those misplaced passes led to counterattacks, and then some of his um, ball retention saved goals. And then the other thing was that he just. He has zero awareness, I find, of where he is in the referee's book. Like it's mm-hmm. as if he has yeah. this mental thing, like "Oh my god, I am invincible. I've never been sent off. I can do whatever the fuck I want." And he got away with not getting a second yellow on the Inui when he stepped on Inui's foot. Somehow, Inui after the game said Casemiro didn't didn't foul me. I don't know why, but clearly did. It. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I mean, yeah. So it's the the thing with like Casemiro is like. We, we've seen like steady progression with this guy, right? Like 15, 16 was his breakout season. Then in 16, 17, like he, he started. Okay. Then he was injured. And when he came back, he was really bad. It was like the worst I've seen him for like five or six games. And then, then came the key stretch of the season. He just exploded. He was scoring goals. He was doing everything. He looked like improved in every facet of play. And then the European super cup, we saw like one of his best games, right? Yeah. Like he, he was, he was distributing the ball well. He was he was helping the the pace of play, you know, move quicker when when he was facilitating possession. He was good under pressure, and then this game and like, it was the last one or either the one before where I started to feel like well, Casemiro seems to have dipped off a bit, fallen back into a little bit of his bad habits when he receives the ball under pressure and doesn't necessarily look up, and he's starting to get a little aggressive because I think all it took for Casemiro to fall apart a little bit this game was. He, I think it was because like Ibar didn't kick the ball out when um, Ceballos. I think it was Ceballos who went down. It was yeah. some other player, and then Casemiro got really frustrated. And yeah. He went up to another guy and started fighting, and then he got carded. And that's it. He he kind of lost himself a little bit the entire game. He was throwing, you know, he 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 was throwing himself in dangerous tackles, and he, he was losing the ball. That's that's honestly his biggest problem to 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 improve on now because he's gotten better under pressure. He's he's still I wouldn't say he's at an elite level, but he's gotten to the point where like you you wouldn't say every game. Oh well, he's a liability. He's gotten better at at, at passing the ball around and stuff, but his issue with discipline is still a big thing. And it might take him being sent off in a game because honestly, I have no idea how Casemiro has not been sent off in his career because it
1: seems insane, right? Yeah, it's a huge mystery of the universe. It really it is. It's like the, the guy exemplifies red card. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah, him and Sergio Ramos, you think yeah, those are the rashest guys on the squad. And Ramos gets penalized for it often. And then you look at Casemiro, who has the same rate of like fouls, <laughs> same rate of yellow cards, and then the red cards aren't there. And you're like, wow, that's that's pretty incredible.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where... It's interesting, and you say that he's not aware or whatever. But I don't think that you can never have been sent off and play the way he he plays, and not also be aware of where you are in the referee's book. Maybe
1: like, he's aware, but he really believes it's like a it's like a spell, like that. <laughs> that he has yeah, like a, it's a superpower that like you just can't get sent off, and then he, drank he can do whatever. From he like wants.
0: an enchanted cup, like one time in the dressing room somewhere, like the ghost of like. Uh, I don't know, Fernando Hierro like, left a cup somewhere and he was like, <laughs> you know, I got sent off all the time when I was playing, but if you drink from this, you won't ever be sent off. Uh,
2: maybe maybe Ramos decided to take all the cards for both of them, and, and you know that's how it's working.
0: In like a seance. I like that idea. That's cool. I, I'm into that. Uh, well, yeah, so I think the other um, narrative from this match that I think we should at least discuss... Is uh, the kind of change that the team went well, underwent when Karim Benzema came on? Yes, he he got like quite a bit of run in this match. He came on a minute like sixty-five or so for Asensio, and I, I mean, a lot of pe- a lot of us have been under fire for a while for being, you know, Benzema boosters. He was great today, and and he really changed the complexion of the side going
2: forward. Yeah, I I I mean. What, what can you say? That's like what Karim Benzema provides to Real Madrid in a nutshell was what that little cameo was. I mean, instantly, like, we look better, right? I mean, we, we should note, I think it, it, he came on, like, oh, no, he came on when it was 2-0. So, like, Ivar wasn't as good in the second half, but they weren't lying down. They were still pushing forward. They were still trying to play. And he just changed the complexion of the game, right? His movement, his, his sweet little touches, his, his intensity, um... It's really great to see when when Benzema feels it. It's something else, and I I think like I think we should just like continue to add that caveat because when we say these things about Benzema, like people freak out. Well, they're like, well, what about his in- inconsistent performance last season? Well, Keon and I over and over again like have mentioned right how how Benzema didn't play play well enough at that time and how we felt he's kind of on the decline a little bit. But I think yeah. specifically this season, the way he's opened the season, besides he's besides his finishing. I think he's he's played really well and
1: people yeah. will
2: get annoyed with that. But I think you can also say the same for Ronaldo because his goal to XG ratio is like the same as Benzema's. It's the both of them are not doing so great in the league in that respect. But both of them, I think, have honestly played quite well without scoring and... That's not the worst problem to have because the goals are going to come.
0: Yeah, know. and and that's I think that's the story of the team partially, right? Like the yeah. team actually, it's one of those situations where the team actually has looked pretty good, and it, they're just underperforming that goal to xG ratio. And teams like you know there are other big teams that have been struggling. Like look at Juventus, they are not passing the eye test in the way that this Real Madrid side is. So mm-hmm. you know it's it's there. It will come, and and whether that comes enough to like lead to this being a successful year trophy wise is still to be determined but like it's better to be in this position where Mm -hmm. you know the eye they're passing the odd test and and, and Benzema especially passing it with flying colors today he looked beautiful you know and that I gotta tell you guys that pass to Marcelo for the assist on the third goal was really sublime and and the kind of pass that only a few people in the world can make and I don't mean like you know, just in like the, the the technical quality required. But I mean the vision because it's a pass that is going totally against the run of play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like if you see everyone going one direction and then he, despite the entire eye, everything in his body going that direction also, he passes it back to Marcelo and he notices that everyone's momentum is taking them the wrong direction to set Marcelo up. It was an incredibly good pass uh, and, and the vision that it required just, just brilliant, I thought, and it's the kind of thing that we've been talking about all the time. You say link-up play. Well, this is literally the definition of <laughs> link-up play, right? And he is the third since two thousand nine, two thousand ten. The three players that have assisted the most in La Liga are, you know, Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, and Karim Benzema. Those are the three players that have had the most assists. So, I, I, I think that that's what we mean when we talk about link-up play. And I know that this is kind of a joke that. And also some people get a little pissed off. But like,
2: <laughs> Yeah, it's it's kind of like we should have a trigger warning every time we want to say link-up play because there's some people <laughs> who get really irritated when we say that. But I, I think, I think you know, it, 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 that term still does have value because I, I honestly thought Asensio and Isco played fairly well today. But there's still, I don't think it was particularly obvious moments, but there were a couple times in the counterattack where Ronaldo was going to run through on goal. And you're like, whoa. Benzema or James, who are these kinds of players who look for those kinds of runs would make that pass. But Esco would uh, you know, hesitate. He's a little bit safer in possession, he'll say, No, I am gonna pass it a little flatter. I'm not gonna make that killer ball. And then Ascense would say, Well, you know what? I wanna beat a- beat a defender first before I make that pass, and Ronaldo was he was a little frustrated that game. And then I, I noticed you tweeted Gabe that Benzema comes on. I was came on because I think it's gonna be a confidence booster for Ronaldo, and I think that is part of it because Ronaldo does play a lot better when he's with Benzema because it, it it's not that Asensio and Isco are selfish but at the speed at which Ronaldo makes his runs it, it's like telepathic Benzema understands it and instantly he'll, he'll play a ball into Ronaldo and it has to happen within that second otherwise it's yeah. offside
0: in particular I think that was exemplified by this one run and I mentioned it in the halftime show but like when you know there there was a there's a there's a period when Asensio was breaking on goal and it was him and two defenders running behind him and then Ronaldo on the other side of the pitch. And if he first or even second times that pass across the pitch to Ronaldo, Ronaldo probably is free on goal. And Asensio doesn't quite see it. You see him notice it. And then it's a little bit too late. He slows it down and Madrid kind of reset. But Ronaldo kind of threw up his hands. And it's because, like, you expect... It's not that you expect it, but, like, you want the people when you're playing at this this speed you want and you require a, a, the service from you know players at at the same speed at which you're running which your mind and, and body is operating and it feels mm-hmm. like benzema
1: and Ronaldo really have that connection uh when they're going forward mm-hmm. gabe did you see the comments on our latest podcast oh. <laughs> wait Some...
0: what what did they say someone's
1: <laughs> Someone said, "Stop criticizing Benzema."
0: Yeah,
2: that that was that was funny as hell, man. Oh, fuck, like, are you kidding me? Fuck? dude, we just can't win, man. Like, it's impossible we,
1: we, to win. Dude,
2: we get harassed like on social media, like all over the place for like fucking defending Benzema, and then. And now we have people that aren't happy enough with like, our That's, defense. But, like guys talk it out between you form a unified stance and figure out whether we're too pro Benzema or too anti Benzema. Cause like, I don't know how to fucking respond to this.
0: It's <laughs> unbelievable. Like we've been so pro and like we get shot on all the time. Like it's so funny. Like I'd made before that last show key. And I made a joke. It was like, I can't wait to hear all the Benzema haters. And like someone was coming at me on, on, on social media with it. And like, now, and then as soon as we get the pods, like, oh, well, you guys are so mean. Like, you guys are so mean. Stop criticizing. It's like, come on. <laughs> uh, it's always the same shit, though. That's I mean, good. It's
2: it's good on some level, you yeah. know. That was because of the – did you guys – was that because of the – you guys did a Tottenham pod? It and was a the
1: Tottenham pod, yeah. I, mean, I mean, criticism,
2: was, yeah. I mean, criticism for Benzema there is, like, fair, right? He missed two clear chances. Like, we're not averse to criticizing Benzema. It's just that, right. like – we we see we see qualities in him that I think either Madrid fans don't see or just they don't want to because like Benzema's not the type of player that they want him to be.
1: No, look, right. I, I mean Benzema. I, I thought the Tottenham game. I thought Benzema. That was even outside of the scoring issues. I thought that was actually just his worst yeah. game of the season. I don't. I just don't think he was good. I but I don't know if I've seen a more polarizing figure in the past two years. Like. To the point, like, it's, like, beyond us. It's transcended us. Now it's, like, on Lineker and Zidane are, like, Zidane is, like, the managing Madrid podcast and Lineker is, like, the commenters.
0: (laughs) I just want to remind everybody that Gary Lineker shat himself during a World (laughs) Cup game on the pitch. I just every like I know that like he's saying he's a commentator and all that shit, but that happened. He did that, and like we, I'm not saying that should like color our your opinions about him, but he he shit himself during a World Cup game. Like that happened. You can look that up on
1: YouTube. I I gotta admit, like I, I actually thought the whole thing was overblown because I when I went and actually read all of his tweets, it wasn't like over the top criticizing. He like asked questions. He's like, is Benzema really that good? I mean. He must be like if he's won three titles like if you go and read him and his replies I think people kind of took his words out of context.
2: It's it's not so much that one as I think like also what what like flamed it I think it was in this game where like Kane Kane scored against Liverpool I think and I think I think it was in as a result of that that Lineker tweeted and he was like um, Harry Kane scores a goal but like Zidane continues to start Benzema because he thinks he's the best striker in the world like two completely unrelated things like just to take an <laughs> unnecessary shot at Benzema you're like dude what the fuck are you talking about and then, like, and then it's almost like I don't know maybe Benzema actually read that tweet because the Tottenham game was before ours and he came on and he killed it and yeah, he did. And I, I tweeted something at Lineker because you know I, I thought that was a really good response but I, it, he, he, he just,
1: tweeted again after this game did you see that? Oh, what did he say? He said, brilliant assist from Benzema. With this sort of quality, it's hard to understand why Zidane left him out of the starting lineup. What? <laughs> but obviously, <laughs> sarcastically.
2: Oh, okay. I thought I thought he was being serious. I was like, Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah. Online shit
0: is so hard to tell. Well, though. he put I a wink like,
1: face at the end. That's why. Oh, uh, okay.
0: Yeah. He did shit himself, though. You can look that up. That's true.
1: That's a fact. Mean, that's amazing. I, I actually, I only knew that because of this whole feud, and people kept pointing that out, but I didn't really? know that before yet. <laughs> I, I that. Again.
0: Yeah, he should never live that down. I mean, when he has good opinions, you don't have to remind him, but, like, when he has bad opinions, like, you should remind him of that. Just like... <laughs> Anyone like online that's done stupid shit. Were All you right. guys
1: watching the BN f- BN feed on this on this game? Yeah.
2: Y- yes, I dude. They were calling Ceballos like Seboios, Ceballos.
1: Ce- or Ceballos. Like that. There was like a five <laughs> minute stretch where the commentator <laughs> kept
2: calling Ceballos Seboya. Yeah, and he, he, he correct- watching it in
1: English. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah, he corrected himself afterwards, but it was pretty funny. That's funny. Also, I, I had one
0: on in Spanish that, also, that was I, not a problem.
2: Can I clear this up? Because I've heard, like, in two games now, they've, they've, they've called Ashraf Akraf. So, like, I'm starting to think I might be wrong. Like, is it Akraf or is it Ashraf? Like, with,
1: what is it? I don't know. We have to ask the Moroccans. Have the, to the, ask the, someone, the Castilla but like commentators not, always said uh, Ashraf.
0: But like, but yeah, it's, it's Ashraf or uh, maybe it's Akraf, right? But, like, yeah. I, I can't imagine that it's Atraf, right? Because it just. Doesn't make any sense phonetically from that. Yeah, but they
2: were saying it with like a K, right? Like they were saying making Not the correct. CH sound with like a K, and that that was something I'd never heard before.
0: Could be. I, it Could yeah. be. Was it on B-In that they were doing that? Is that? No, it's a good question. I'm interested if yeah, anyone. It was,
2: I mean, it, it happened in like, I think it was the Tottenham game, and like people gave them some shit for it, and then I was like, well, it, it, they must be saying it wrong. And then it happened also in this game with two different commentators. So I'm thinking, now I'm starting to think, well, maybe it actually is pronounced that way cuz i know they do get sheets i think telling them how to pronounce players names yeah. so
1: it's also their yeah. job so i think they research that <laughs> in- <laughs> Well yeah.
0: right but like that you would think that but then you have these commentators who have just the fucking worst pronunciations ever so like or maybe <laughs> they did but it doesn't matter i mean look if we have any um, listeners from you know anywhere that that is the in arab uh, arabic speaking nation like Hit us up or if you're an Arabic, you know, native Arabic speaker, we're interested in in how the hell you pronounce
1: his name because
0: (laughs) I I, I don't know how. Um, I'm just going to stick with Ashraf until we're told otherwise, though,
1: guys. These particular commentators, I've been getting them a lot on my feeds lately, and they're the same crew. During Barca Atleti, they were talking about how the pitch length, at, at the grass length at Atleti Stadium is taller oh than what Barcelona is used to at the camp now. Oh my And they, God. they brought up it's the so measurements they were saying Xabi. the exact Xabi measurements
0: commentator on BN now.
1: Yeah. It's it's and it, it wasn't the Ray Phil crew, it was these two other people. Yeah. Xavi Hernandez. Xavi Hernandez <laughs> has found a
2: he's found a fucking job, guys.
0: Finally, I took him a while. <laughs> uh let's jump into our questions here because um it seems like we're we're, we're slowing down the actual analysis (laughs) jen so this is the other i think uh question from the match jen wants us to talk a little bit about the substitution so jen asks uh can you guys walk me through substitutions today they they made me confused and nervous and i'd like to know what you guys thought uh so we already discussed benzema a little bit i think that uh, I, I don't know if I can speak for all of us, but I think I, I was really glad to see Benzema come on. I actually thought it was a perfect match for him, and uh, I don't—I think he proved me basically right.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think at the Benzema and Lucas for Isco, in a sense, you were pretty straightforward. Like, I think the the more interesting one was Marcela for Ceballos, because... People, a lot of people thought that this was, even commentators included, that it was just going to be like a repeat of Levante where mm. Teo and Marcelo act as like, this left-wing left wing duo. But it really wasn't like that. And it was uh. strangely, it was almost like a like-for-like like sub where Marcelo actually just went into the, the, I wanted to say midfield trio, but he was playing so high at the pitch that it felt like he was playing the front three. Like, he was playing off the shoulder of defender. He was, like, playing internally. Like, he was, you know, tucked in a bit. He was almost
0: playing the Isco role. <laughs> when yeah. He came. It was very cool.
1: And, like, yeah. he was basically playing the role, like, where he got the ball and he scored from. Like, that's where he was. <laughs> Although, I was <laughs> I, writing my reaction, so I didn't see the end of the game. So, it's not really completely accurate. I, so, maybe Om um has a better view of this.
2: I have no idea why Zidane likes that, because when we saw with Levante, the problem was is they both hung out in essentially the same areas, and we lost that bit of dynamism, because usually when someone plays on the flank, the winger will kind of go central. He would either move into the half space to like create this passing triangle, or he'd move into the box so he can overload that situation, and it just didn't happen like that, so like our left wing was like weirdly nullified. Um, it, it worked today because Marcelo moved in like an inverted winger and he made, like, central runs and he caused chaos that, that way. But I, I I don't know why he do that. I, I, I wrote an article, you know, prompted by that Levante game talking about how Zidane takes, like, squad rotation into account before anything else, and I think that's just the case here. Like, I think Zidane has a system, like, he's constantly trying to figure out who needs minutes, how do I keep everyone happy, how do I keep everyone fit, and I don't know. Maybe he thought that Marcelo coming on would, would, would keep him a little sharp. Um, I, 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 I I don't I don't think it was a tactical consideration. Maybe not.
0: I really liked Marcelo in that role. I've I've said for a while that I think that Marcelo is actually arguably Madrid's best dribbler. Like he is shockingly strong and and dynamic when he's when the ball's at his feet. And I think it's kind of makes sense to put him in that position. Obviously, he doesn't have quite the eye for the pass that maybe some other players do but he really he he works space well really well considering that he's actually a left you know left back left winger and i mean it was born out in in that in that combination with benzema like marcelo's couple of touches on that play were were really world class and you know i, I actually love the idea of marcelo coming in as kind of a wreaking havoc type player like just you know, at the end of a match saying, you're fast, you, you know, give your all every second you're on the pitch. Why don't you take 10 minutes to run at this team in kind of a central slash central left area of the pitch? And, you know, it worked out. It was, it worked shockingly well. And uh, it it could be a proof of concept for future matches for Zidane just in terms of like where, just and uh, adding versatility to players' portfolios I think is always good when they perform well with that versatility, right? So, like, a Marcelo who can only play at left-back is a less useful Marcelo than someone who can play at left-back and at, like, left wing slash center mid.
2: I mean, I, I think that's valid. I mean, something also popped into my mind, like, I, I think that could be a valid consideration, right, because Zidane sort of is thinking in these total football terms, so he wants players to be versatile. I also think maybe Marcelo came on, along with Benzema, co- coming on to, like, help Ronaldo. And not, yeah. in this, not in the sense that, oh, Ronaldo controls the team and, and Zidane's only purpose is to get him to score, but because it's a good thing for Real Madrid to get Ronaldo going and it's, and, and we need him to start getting on a run of goals now if we want to hunt down <clears throat> Barcelona and the La Liga table. And Barcelona and Benzema are the two guys who understand Ronaldo the most on this team. And so that could have been a possible reason, among other things that Gabe was talking about and like I mentioned before.
1: Yeah, I, yeah, that all makes sense to me. I I definitely didn't hate it, like, and I definitely wasn't nervous about it, As some fans said they were nervous about the sub. Like, at no point did I feel threatened by Abar, like in the second half. I thought because Real Madrid actually defended well, and A-bar, even when Abar started venturing forward and you know getting possession, Real Madrid just had people behind the ball. They weren't gambling, and yeah. I definitely was okay with the sub. It kind of like cautiously, I'd say this. Because I I couldn't really find another parallel like a left winger slash left back playing high up the pitch internally it was like for a, for a second there it reminded me of Di Maria. Mm-hmm.
0: Interesting. But, yeah, I like that.
1: I definitely didn't. It. I definitely didn't hate it. Like Marcelo was definitely talented enough to hold his own in the final third, so it's not a big deal to me. This
0: this actually also answers Anton Hackberg's question. <laughs> I just want to s- shout out that actually... So you, Anton wanted us to talk about Teo and Marcel at the same time. What's our take? Well, this is basically our take, what you just heard on on that situation today. Um, all right, so Nate McDougall asks us... Uh, so this is an interesting question. What are your thoughts on instant replays on plays such as the Barcelona goal that shouldn't have counted pros and cons? So, Nate... I And a lot of people, I think, are – I mean, I'm a huge instant replay and VAR fan as long as they do it basically the way they've done it so far, which is with it taking a minimal amount of time. Because any time – like, the way they do it in hockey, Nate, is basically they have – Uh, a referee who's sitting in the booth whose entire job is to do VAR. That's much better than the way they do it in American football, where they stop the game and have the game referee run to the side and look at a small screen and then make a call. So if, if as long as the the league implements it that way, then yeah, of course they should absolutely do that. I mean, we already have seen huge steps forward in goal line technology and that is the, the most obvious no brainer of all these technologies is goal line technologies. And you know, the truth is that out of bounds technology should really basically shouldn't be any harder than goal line technology. So I mean,
2: the La Liga doesn't have goal line, right? No, I don't think no. so. Ah oh, Jesus. No. I just I just wanna say that these types of technology was invented specifically for this league because the referees are so bad. Like that that's why we have this technology because you know, FIFA or, or whoever came up with this will think, you know, we have this right like because referees are going to make a minimal amount of mistakes, but La Liga more than any other league needs this because of the amount of mistakes referees keep making. Um, like the the line the the line referee, like he should have seen the ball out of bounds there, and he didn't notice, and it looked fairly obvious from when I saw it. I don't know, maybe in real time it was harder, but it just astounds me that La Liga, being the league with arguably the worst worst refs in the top five European leagues, does yeah. not have this technology. They don't even have goal line technology, which isn't I mean, it's no problem at all. The referee just looks at his watch and, and, and we know. Like, the fact that we don't have that's astounding. And I, I'm, I'm totally for this because even if there's a little problem with time and it stretches on a little bit, it is worth it because the amount of mistakes made in this league can really change games. And, and fans are constantly complaining about it. So I think... I think yeah. Figuring out VAR and stuff is a better problem.
0: We're also seeing it proof of concept in the ML in, in MLS right now, where uh, it's widely been embraced by fans and and where we've seen it be really important even today. Where you know t- um, uh, Seattle Sounders had a player ejected on a VAR replay because he elbowed someone in the face, and then you know Atlanta United had a penalty that, that was given uh, after a quick VAR. Like it's again VAR. It's quite quick when it's done correctly and it's such an obvious Thing, <laughs> you know, it's it's like, you know, when we you have the technology to get these kind of Calls right and and it's calls that when you miss them bring the integrity of the sport into question like mm-hmm. that 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 call against Malaga like that is It's very hard to miss that kind of call if you're a referee and have people not ask questions about like you know bias and that kind of stuff and it's just, and I know that they've happened for Madrid also. Some of these calls, but like that's that's an impossibly. It's it's a call that really nine. It's 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 a call that if you're not getting right 99 times out of a hundred, then you're there's something up with the refereeing. And and I think it's willing. It's okay to take ask questions about it, which is why VAR is such an important part of the mm-hmm. game. And especially the I mean, like goal line technology is such a no brainer too because it doesn't even require like, the the, the stoppage in time for video replay. Like, the goal line technology is so easy that it it literally, you can have, like, a little bell go up in the referee's ear when the ball goes across the line. Like, it's it's nothing. So, like, the fact that Spain hasn't implemented that, it it just shows how backward and awful this league is.
1: (laughs) Well, just a few things. So, yeah, it is... It's the league that needs it the most that obviously doesn't have it. Obviously, a barrier from before was Tebas uh, making the silly statement that it's too expensive and it's like four million euros (sighs) a year or something. And um, but I mean, he
0: was stealing more than that, so. But maybe they have that money now. Sorry, go ahead. Um, and it,
1: I mean, it's like, you, and it's not obviously it's not just Barcelona and Real Madrid. The whole league is getting shitted on. Like this, this, this weekend started with Geta, the very first game in La Liga. Getafe, like right away, had a perfectly legit goal disallowed for off for offside that clearly wasn't an offside. And but the, the one thing I did remember, and I just looked it up to double check I was remembering correctly, that. Uh, VAR is actually being tested in the Copa del Rey this season. I don't know if you know that. All right, it's good. From the thir- yeah. from the round of 32 and on, it's going to be implemented. And hopefully, <laughs> okay. hopefully we'll see it next season. I don't know.
2: Babies baby steps, but you know, I'll take it. Yeah. I'll take any
0: any steps at all cuz these all organizations are so horrible. All right, Blake Brown asks us, uh I thought Asensio actually had his best best game of the year, but he missed a couple of passes, uh, Passes um, choosing to shoot uh, instead. What is the difference between this year and last year for him? I think he is pressing with his limited chances. First, That's the first question. We got another one in a second. Um, I don't know if he's pressing. I mean, like, we saw him start off this year as in absolutely scintillating form against Barcelona, and, you know, he hasn't... Like m- many other players on the team, right guys, he hasn't uh, been able to. He hasn't finished his chances at quite the elite level that he was finishing his chances.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I don't know if this was his best game, but he'd been off the boil for the past three or four. So I definitely think this was his best game in a while. Um, yeah, there were some passing decisions that were off, which we went on, which we we talked about before. That wasn't necessarily selfishness. It was more. You know, him not being comfortable with the speed, he had to make the decision, and then he he decided to do something else. I mean, I think there is also a bit of overconfidence, though. Like, asking what's different different between Asensio last year and this one, it's Asensio really believes he can pull off anything he wants to pull off. So sometimes you'll just see him run at a player when he doesn't need to, and you're like, dude, what are you doing? And he'll, like, get past one, and then three other guys will close on him, or he'll just decide to shoot from a ridiculous angle, which I think he did in and this match like in the 20th minute or something you're like yeah, you just have no yeah no chance of scoring so that's the biggest difference and honestly it's not bad to have confidence like i think it's really a maturity thing like how to manage his his um his optimism and and how to get that to work positively for him that's just something like all young guys have so he'll figure that out as time goes on
1: yeah i i don't believe this whole like Blake says it like he writes it rationally when he writes this, but like there's others who, like if you go on Facebook and you look at the, the people who want to, you know, the question answered answer on this podcast is like, is, and this is recurring. It was why is that so selfish? And yeah, yeah, I don't buy that conspiracy that like they're out to like get Ronaldo and bail and they don't pass <laughs> it. And like it, I understand the decision making could improve for Asensio. I think the biggest difference for him from this season, to last season is like, and I cautiously say this because I have no proof of this, but I, I think his head got a little bigger. Um, I think he's confident he can, you know, what he wants to do with the ball, and I think that's okay. I think you want a player like that. Um, like I said, I think I think you have to live with his decision-making as you go through the growing pains. Like, you give both him and Isco and Ceballos, you give them, the you know, the keys to the car, and by the time they actually drive it, it you know, and steer it they're going to crash it a few times and they're going to make a lot of mistakes and they're going to make bad decisions to the point where I thought like if you go look at Ronaldo (laughs) at the end of this game he was shooting from like every angle possible like (laughs) just just to get his goal like as if there was a mathematical chance of that ball going in he would shoot from there like most acute angles and I think he was just frustrated but I also the flip side is that like some people complain when Asensio didn't pass to Ronaldo in the second half but then you look at where Ronaldo is and he's really not in a better place in a sense. I, I think that
2: I think that was Isco like remember when he was, was played free? On, oh, maybe. Yeah, he was played he was played free on goal and he took a poor shot that went straight at Yeah, up the you're team. right, it was Isco. And yeah. initially I was like, dude, Isco what the hell are you doing? But if you look at the replay, Ronaldo was surrounded by three defenders. Yeah.
1: I think there was a cutback to another player that m- would have made sense, but yeah, definitely yeah. So not to Ronaldo, Ronaldo.
2: so that was that was the decision people really got pissed off about, but on replay, it had every right to shoot there so if there was someone who wanted us to address that like i mean it, it's my opinion that he, he should have shot he did shoot and he was right to do it he just should have shot better yep
0: i agree with that entirely all right the second part of blake's question we've already dealt with a little bit Marcelo in the middle looked pretty good and i thought teo had a very good game or had a great game i i wanted to just answer this quickly because we already talked about Marcelo in the middle but i actually also thought teo had a great game um I, I'm I'm really into this kid. I think he brings a, absolutely a tremendously versatile, awesome option. I really, I'm hugely a fan. I think that my, my main critique on, and I saw you tweet a little bit about this also was that I, I felt like he tried, he tended to do a little much uh, when he had the ball, like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. a, a little, you know, maybe take a dribble too much, too many, or try a tougher pass than he really needed to, or, or whatever. And, that that's the kind of thing that comes with time and 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 experience and not not confidence. Like he has the confidence, he has the skill, and he's he's really fast. Yeah, I I th-
1: I think with the thing with Teo is that he the things he could improve on is one his 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 his, his crossings, so like his actual like final ball, like the 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 product and the quality of the pass, the cross, knowing when to cut back instead of doing a weighted cross and vice versa. Um, and then actually, just putting in a good, a good cross, um, and also maybe just. But you know what? Like what I love about him, and I think, I think it would be so hard to defend him, because he's, he's like a bowling ball. Like he just he plows through, like with mm-hmm. such pace, he gets to balls that, you don't even think he has any business getting to, and he's strong. And I just can't imagine. That it's just terrifying to see that coming at you. And I think he just brings pure chaos, like in a good way. And I think like he can improve on certain things, but I'm definitely a fan of his game, like I, I really like him, yeah
2: yeah yeah I, uh, I was just going to say I don't really have anything to add and I agree with everything you guys yeah. said. All right, well, good that's that's good. Uh,
0: it's always a good position to just kind of agree. Uh, Mark <laughs> Lee, it is. No, it, it, it is. We're, we're smart, you know we want to <laughs> prove that we have good soccer brains <laughs> Mark Reedy. Uh, asks us, how good is Benz? Also, I think that's just a statement. Also, what are your thoughts on the double left wing back that Zidane keeps trying? Uh, so we already talked about that. Can we get some praise for Baran? We started the show a little bit with that, but I think we should end it also with talking about Benzema and Baran, our two Frenchmen. Uh, I also want to mention that Teo is kind of up for grabs in the in the selection world. I, I think Spain, if I were Spain, I'd, I'd give him a call. Like yeah. that that left back position in Spain is not a done deal I think in in the long term. So Yeah. You know, he could be a great answer and you know if France isn't going to call him man. That that is that's definitely someone I'd call for Spain.
1: But he he also doesn't want to get called up by France. He wants to play for Spain. So Really? Yeah. yeah I yeah, thought he said that before. So today yeah.
0: I thought um he said, "Yeah, I'm waiting for I'm basically I'm waiting for a call." Uh, so. I, I didn't. Oh, really? I didn't, know I didn't
1: see him to... say anything today. So yeah, but generally he said in the past that he's he he wants to avoid playing for France because he's waiting for a Spain call up. But I, maybe he said something different today. I don't know.
0: Well, either way, I would I would try what? to
2: get on that sooner rather than later.
1: <laughs> were you going oh, to say something?
2: Yeah, I was going to ask who's the starting left back for France because I it just can't seem to
1: come to me. Dinya was starting. Uh, I mean.
2: I understand. Like honestly, it's a personal decision, right? Which country you want to play for. But from purely a, a footballing perspective, you'd think he'd want to go to France because he had a higher chance of starting there. Like, I think Teo could be useful for Spain, but I think it's going to be a while before he starts over Jordi Alba.
1: Um, well, Spain has, is also very deep at the left back position, but yeah. it's not like, you know, Teo's so young that it doesn't, almost doesn't really matter exactly who's ahead of him right now. Um but yeah, I mean, right now it's Digne. Um and I remember looking at the um the depth chart for France and apart from Digne, there was there was like at least three or four other players that who could who could definitely play there. Um But yeah, as far as I as far as I remember, it's it's basically he's he's looking at um he's, he's he Spain. he would rather play for Spain.
0: I mean, Spain also has i mean left it's it's tough because these real two-way wingers are such rare commodities like <laughs> it's hard to to pinpoint someone that I would rather have long term on my left back than tail, right? like he has seen like everything that we've seen so far suggests that he's the real deal. like there's a reason Madrid broke that non-aggression back to that, that led to get him
1: yeah i he I mean with 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 Alvarez he was unbelievable, right? And he's so young. Like, he has so much time ahead of him. Like, basically, right now, Spain have Alba there. They have, uh, you know, Marcus Alonso can play. Then Nacho Monreal, who is really no, one, no one's going to cry if he doesn't play. Um, Ga- <laughs> Gaia, they have Gaia coming up there, you know, like, and Johnny, who are younger. Like, I, think, I guess someone like Gaia would be, like, one of his main competitors in Spain. But still, like he definitely has enough talent to crack the team. I think.
2: Speaking of like young players, sorry guys, I am supposed to be one of the experts here, but like, what's what's? The, <laughs> I need to ask a question. Like, what's the news with Vallejo? Because like I thought that he was he was good with his injury and he's back in the squad because like that's the youngster I'm most excited about and like I really want to see him play. Like, because I want fans to see just how good this kid is. Like, do you guys know like what's the timeline? Like when he, when he's coming back or like when he's gonna start?
1: Well, he he's back because um, yeah. so, I mean, like he don't... played for the under twenty one team over the international break. He started.
0: No, he's back. He's yeah. ready. Uh, it's just that Baran and, and Ramos are very ready also, and they're very good. Okay. And, not, and so I, I would expect. I think obviously Madrid's starting the Copa. So I think that we we should expect Vallejo to play in the Copa. I think that's
2: Bye. certain. Bye. I didn't know why I was under the pressure that Vallejo wasn't back. Like, he just completely fell under my radar, like, the past three weeks.
0: No, and that's fair, because he's been out. And, you know, I think that he and the board and everyone kind of have a very long-term projection, so they're not super worried about, like, him coming along instantly. Like, they are a little bit with Ceballos, who they feel... I my, my guess is that they feel like if he isn't, you know, coming along and excited right away then he's gonna demand a trade and it's gonna be a problem and you know that so they they have to give him time whereas but yeah like he he's got the number three shirt like they, they mm-hmm. th- that is a lot of belief in that kid and and i think it's not a catastrophe that he hasn't come along yet because mm-hmm. they do seem to have a very long-term view with him and I, I think that he also everything that i've heard from him he also feels that way so you know, he, and he's been giving great performances at the international level, so I I don't think that he's gone unnoticed. So I, I would imagine him playing in the Copa, and then we'll see him. I would imagine popping in uh, in more Liga games going forward.
1: By the way, Om, like and Gabe, and I mentioned the the players he's com- uh, Teo is competing competing with in Spain. Here are the players he's competing with in France. So Digne, uh, Benjamin Mendy. Kuzawa, Evra, and Clichy—the latter two are you know, dinosaurs. But there's like five players who—that's
2: still—that's still a pretty stacked lineup. Yeah, so I don't, is. I don't. Yeah, it, it's tough to tell what which, um, which lineup would be easier to get into.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I still think it'll be France that'll be a bit tiny bit easier. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then the right, thing guys. with Spain is you also have players who can play that position, like Nacho and Aspilicueta, if they, if you needed them to.
0: That's a good point. Yeah. Anyways. All right, gentlemen. Um, it was good to talk to you this week. We'll be back. Uh, I think we have Churuti Tacticas, Let's Dig Football, and we've got our patron-only show. Uh, get, get access to it, patreon.com slash Um Kian, do you have anything to to plug in particular going going up this week?
1: Uh, nothing, no. I have s- perhaps something up my sleeve this week, but it's not Seven stone. so we'll announce it if it happens. Um, but Sam Sharp wrote another article today
2: trashing solari
1: <laughs> that's like every out. every solari plug every plug is basically just go read sam sharp's article about, about castilla
0: and about how bad santiago solari is like <laughs> out, out,
1: out, out, out. yeah
0: uh, it's a disaster all right guys well it's good time to you um, well done welcome to the show uh, kian and i will be back on uh, on wednesday for your patron only pod uh, and until then ala Madrid.
1: ala madrid ala madrid
0: One offer per account. Offer subject to change. $12.99 per month value. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Metro customers may notice reduced speeds versus some T-Mobile customers. Video at 480p. Capable device required. See store for details and terms and conditions.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.